If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy. If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real-life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hello, I'm Artur Guya, Cognition Shared Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer, and with me is my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the eighth episode of Between Data and Risk, and today we'll be talking about federated business governance. Uh, it's a topic that uh, has uh, been created or extended, should I say, from uh, federated governance within data, a, a concept which has uh, actually been introduced in Data Mesh uh, by uh, Zamak Degani and uh, has uh, been described uh, by you, Marian, e and your, your co-authors in uh, a book, Data Mesh in Action, uh, published by uh, Manning, uh, or soon to be published. Uh, and uh, so why, why don't you kind of introduce us to the, to the concept of federation of, of governance and how it actually uh, began? Sure. Um, this chapter was actually mine. Uh, so uh, I think I, I, uh, I am entitled, so to speak, to, 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 to speak about it. Uh, in uh, Data Mesh, uh, federated data governance uh, is connected to, 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 to the word computational. So it comes as a federated computational uh governance however my interest lies mainly in the uh federization so to speak of of, of governance it means that uh, there are two levels of responsibility for uh, governance there is a central governance uh which is uh aimed at providing the cross organization and 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 central level uh, policies and rules and uh, and standards um, uh, and norms and the local uh, level of governance where data product owners are responsible for governance of data within their domains uh, so the computational word means that uh, it should be automated. However, as I said, uh, what we discussed when we were writing this book with my, with my co-authors was how to decide what should be, what should be the rules or thresholds of uh, moving responsibilities to either central uh, unit or uh, leaving it in the hands of, of uh, business uh, units. And we decided that there is no one good answer. There is no uh, silver bullet solution. Uh, it very much depends on the, on the business. And as we tried to, to write our book to be as inclusive and, uh, as possible, and our de definitions we tried to create as uh, inclusive as as possible, we decided that 
one should think about it as a slider. So there are some responsibilities responsibilities uh, in on the central side or the local side, uh, side, and these responsibilities can be shifted from one to another depending on the business needs of the organization. But in in, in short, the idea is that you need to have the split of power. Uh, very often, local business units have their own, let's say, goals and uh, ways of doing things which may not be optimal for the global organization. Let's say it could be that some business units would prefer to use some standards. They are more, I don't know, handy for them or they have team which already is familiar with them. But pushing them across the organization wouldn't make uh, wouldn't make sense. Uh, the central team role is to balance all the input from the local uh, local uh, teams and 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 find a, a consensus which will be optimal for on the on the global level. Uh, we are sometimes asked when we speak with with our clients when we when we provide some some guidance on data architecture like okay but why why do we need a separate uh, central governance body and the answer is if you will create a central governance body composed of uh, just representatives of local units it's it's confederated actually uh, rather than federated governance and you risk that the influence of the stronger players will take over uh, the good of the whole organization. I think we, we spoke about it multiple times, uh, how to ensure that some solutions which are good for the whole company are being pushed through when everybody is looking up only about their own, uh, their own business, their own business unit, so to speak. And I think this is the this is the biggest advantage of of federation that uh, on on one hand uh, you are stopping the the, the loudest uh, you know or most obnoxious players from uh, taking over and pushing their their agenda. Uh, on the other hand, you are preventing by actually having some uh, some central governance. You're preventing total anarchy. Uh, where uh, you know everyone does what 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 they please and. Uh, it's it's a nice kind of combination of the two that ensures that there's consensus where it, where it needs to be but allows certain autonomy i i almost agree uh, one thing that i would like to 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 say straight i i wouldn't want to use derogatory derogatory verbiage on 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 those who are, let's say, strongly opinionated, so to speak. They don't have to be obnoxious. Uh, it doesn't have to be, ha having an influence doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be played uh, out. It's just, you know, some a, of the meetings I had can come is, to my mind where the, 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 the people being the, the loudest. There is an interesting podcast about it, Harnessing the Power of Influence uh, by The One Thing podcast. Uh, where they are discussing how to harness this power of people who are driving. We spoke about ego and uh, we spoke uh, in our previous podcast and we spoke about uh, this, this leadership role. Uh, 
in teams or when you treat teams as individuals as well, there are some power plays and, and there is a mm, influence winning over. Some of these players, they might have absolutely best intentions and they don't have to be very loud or, or, or obnoxious, as you said. They might have really good business reasons for pushing some solutions and good intentions. However, they just may not see the the, the biggest picture. They can have more, more, more charisma. It's not only about loud and obnoxious. It's about also uh, kind and charismatic and, and very reputable ones. I, I, I know what you're, what you're saying, but as I said, it's, it's about this, this power of influence and finding ways to, to harness it, to, to, to find a way for these people to, to really help others with their... Uh, experience and uh, goodwill, uh, but still having someone whose role is explicitly to look at the bigger picture. So we we have actually written an article which will be linked in the in the notes to this episode about uh, extending the concept of of federated governance uh, away from 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 data and putting it into practice in in business governance. Uh, this is, you know, the, the, the concept is, is, I think, wildly applicable to, uh, to, to, to any, almost any business and, uh, that, uh, the principles can be extended such that, uh, you bring policies on, on central level with the kind of individual self-governance on the local level, uh, to, you, you, you give it the best effect uh, with, with any uh, area where you need this kind of split uh, to, to achieve the best results. Uh, so if you can, can you give some example of, of where, you know, you see this, this, this working? No, besides data, of course. Uh, <laughs> yes. I say, I won't let I, you, I let you off so easily. Oh, um, you know, I'm lazy. Uh, the, the sales, I think. Uh, I've seen it uh, multiple times working for, for or with uh, uh, multinationals uh, that uh, the specificity marketing and sales, uh, you have very specific markets requiring very specific communication, very specific solutions. And uh, I've seen the cases where the communication was over-centralized and uh, then the communication was failing on the on the local level because all the content all the messaging all was coined in in the in the headquarters and uh, it was absolutely bouncing off uh, cultural differences in uh, separate markets uh, i've seen situations where there was a complete balkanization of effort and uh, it was really hard to find some some common common thread in and, and common uh, brand, I would say, identity throughout the communication, because with this localization of efforts uh, came discontinu discontinuity of efforts. So even on the local level, uh, the differences in communication between different products within the same brand was so big that, uh, and changing over time, that it was hard to speak about like the co coherent uh, 
brand communication. Uh, but I've seen examples where strong uh, brand identity, like this core uh, given or, or prepared at the central level, was uh, executed and planned and governed on the on the local level, uh, and it only added flavor, and it really allowed to. Uh, embed the communication into the fabric of the society this messaging was prepared for and it it worked wonderfully so i believe uh, sales and marketing are are very good example because it's not only about the, the the messaging it's about like you know governance of of uh of the whole effort so so, so li li leaving areas of responsibility really there is there is another another example which which I found. Uh, Josh Berzin uh, has described on his uh, on his page uh, a, a very interesting presentation uh, uh, about uh, federated models of governance in HR and how uh, preparing learning programs and creating learning communities within uh, a company to create networks of uh, expertise rather than centers of excellence uh, is, is, is a very good use case for, for federation. Uh, in, in his case, he describes how the, the central team provides the shared services, provides a, a kind of the, the general thrust of where, where this should go. But the individual business units tailor their own learning programs to their their requirements and uh, provide this, uh, uh, this this local flavor to what is actually needed because they are the best they are best place to know what training uh, programs they actually require so to manage this centrally would be probably very inefficient so hr is also uh, or talent management uh, probably i should say is, uh, um, is is another very good example where where this could be applied. What you said, there is one very very important thing that I uh, I should berate myself for not not mentioning shared services. Uh, we spoke about the governance and central level of governance as providing policies or, 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 you know, standards, but also the central level is a very good uh, place to enable local governance by providing them with knowledge and expertise which may not be viable to provide for each and every uh, local unit uh, separately so i don't know legal services uh, of course as long as it doesn't create bottlenecks we don't want to 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 to, to do that so if there is a huge demand for 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 services they if each and every business unit needs really uh, a lot of time of, of, of given professional, they should probably source it themselves. But as long as it's something that you need from time to time and which is hard to find or, 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 or source externally, then you should have your, you know, uh, in-house friendly data guy who is able to, 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 to support multiple teams, uh, data science teams, which, which are doing, let's say the heavy lifting, you may have, I don't know, like, someone who is on a bit different level but usually we are talking about the the, the legal uh, this kind of uh, rare but necessary services com compliance uh, 
which are which are useful for everyone. As I said, it, this is the the big problem. I I think that this is we should probably emphasize and maybe give some examples of how hard it is sometimes to drive a change, which is and good for the whole company, but because it doesn't belong to any single business unit, it's hanging in the air and like there is no no chance that it will be implemented uh, when we are talking about i don't i don't know business process optimization uh, so this, this brings it. me this brings me very nicely to to the first principle because i think we should uh, keeping keep, keeping this uh, this practical we should talk uh, a few minutes about each of the principles of federated governance uh, you know and and actually explain how to how to do it properly so the, fr the first principle, uh, as written in our article, is uh, that federated models should be driven from the very top. And I think this is one, not, not the only, but one of the possible solutions of making a change in a, in a company that doesn't really belong to a, a single unit or a single business, is that it should be, it should be driven from, from the, the highest management in, in the company. And a, a big change like uh, moving from centralized model or distributed model into a federated model definitely should be uh, you know, driven from, from very high in the organization because this is the only way you're going to ensure uh, proper buy-in, uh, proper understanding of the of, of the whole concept, and uh, you know you're you're going to ensure success of the transformation. It's uh, it's true what um, because it's uh, we often talk about responsibilities and ac and accountabilities. People are not very happy getting new accountabilities on themselves. Of course, there are notable um, exceptions, but on, in, in general, you cannot also pass accountability to your, to your peers, uh, meaning like you, you, you need to prepare people and you may try to, to, to uh, train them or, or prepare them. But if there is a central unit accountability, from from the ground up, you, you cannot build this accountability because with accountability should come resources to, 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 to really execute. So you can think of uh, trying to build it from the ground up, but then you will have a bunch of frustrated people who try to take something as their responsibility and their uh, effort may be completely bombarded or disregarded by by the central unit, uh, which builds uh, builds a frustration. It needs to be from the from the top, like the the, the, the central team needs to agree to release some of the power. Yeah, and uh, you know uh, the the central team needs to understand the concept and not not try to dress up uh, their own power play as federation needs to be true federation. Uh, on the other hand, you know, on the on on the local level, it will be a classic situation of who moved my cheese, right? People are comfortable with with the way things were, and having this this accountability thrust upon them is 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 going to be frustrating. That's that's why it needs a kind of comprehensive influencing process. The, plus, the, plus, the, plus, plus, plus budgeting. Uh, yes. Look, look that you know, uh, it's easy to say now it's your responsibility or your accountability, but as long as it doesn't come with uh, enab enabling 
operational enabling of of the change. It's uh, it's just making it somebody else's problem. Uh, the second principle uh, states that company-wide central governance should focus primarily on policies and value statements, leaving most of the implementation details to business units. And this this kind of sounds to me like a, a very common sense principle of of management, right? Uh, it, it I could I could almost summarize it to don't micromanage, but. Uh, as as we've said, you know, common sense is not very common, and uh, it I think it needs to be stated and and repeated. Uh, if you are a high level manager, be a high level manager. Uh, you may be an expert, but trust your teams to actually drive the implementation, provide them with the direction, and let them go there. Don't push them. Mm, don't try to to push down your stress as well uh, don't don't make them run in circles no it's it's all true uh, what i think we should focus to, to be practical you know i think the value statements from my consulting experience is a very very uh, underestimated tool mm, in in the chapter of of, of data machine action we uh, We've been asked because it's uh, Manning is a, is a very technical um, publishing house, and they were asking us, uh, sh should we really, you know, spend so much time on, on explaining this? And I, I was adamant, yes, it's very underappreciated tool because everybody thinks that value statement is just a buzzword that you drop into into a managerial environment to 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 sound you know i don't know uh, current or or modern uh, value statement is uh, a construction allowing you to define the priorities so whenever there is a decision to be made, uh, and we, in our trilayer uh, business process analysis, we work with decisions on the decision level. These decisions need to have uh, reasons behind them. And sometimes these are not entirely numerical. Uh, if your value statement is make each your decision as profitable as possible, then, you know, uh, it's a completely different company and decision-making uh, outcomes than the company which says that the companies which operate to benefit their societies uh, tend to have better connection and, and uh, brand image. So the question is, what is it that your business values and your people, we spoke about it, I think, some time ago as well, uh, how to make this corporate responsibility uh, and this uh, tra traversal risk management an issue which is really connecting or, or important for everyone in the company. We were you mean transverse of, risk? Yes, sorry. Uh, <laughs> tra transverse risk uh, and issues, I don't know, environmental or, or social issues, how to make them uh, really influential or, or having impact on actual decisions. And value statements is a good tool for that. Uh, you speak loudly and you put it on paper, but you believe that this 
companies which take care of it uh, are are doing better in this regard or another. And then if a local decision maker comes with a solution which is really has positive impact on this on these issues, uh, he cannot be trumped by uh, someone who just says, oh, but it will cost money. Yes, it will cost money, but it will add value. In such a case, yeah. it's a d- d- difference, d- making a difference between adding value and having a cost. You know, it, it, it actually reminds me of something uh, I, I read recently on the Harvard Business Review. Uh, there was uh, there was an article by uh, Joe McKendrick and Andy Thurai uh, about how AI isn't ready to make unsupervised decision. And mm-hmm. uh, you you mentioned before about computational governance and uh, you know how it, really in our concept of of uh, general business uh, federated governance we've moved back from this this computational concept because a lot of decisions need to be based on values and not just numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the classic trolley problem. Uh, you know obviously in business hopefully we're not sending trolleys down tracks. Uh, but uh, the, the 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 concept is is well known, so I won't go too deep into this. The 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 va- value statements giving a certain principle into the decision making process, rather than just a numerical delineation: x is less than, x is more than. Uh, it's it it is a very important concept uh, to 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 bring in and to remember. And it is something that should be decided on the central level. So to summarize, uh, if you want to create a well-working federated governance, first you need to have, Arthur, first principle. I just want to repeat first, them a couple of times. First, you, you, you need to create it from the top. It needs and to be supported from the top. And second, you should let your central team work on the things which are really critical for the operations of the whole company, like policies or, or value statements, things which will give direction to, to, to direction to decisions, not... I almost feel like them. you're examining me whether I still remember what I said five minutes ago. I'm not that old. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, I'm checking if I remember them correctly, to be honest. <laughs> the, the, the things that we wrote together a couple months ago. Uh, so let's let's move to the th- to the third principle, and that is the et- expertise in resilience implementation should be provided centrally to support the business. So again, this is uh, the the third principle uh, uh, still states what the central team is is uh, responsible and accountable for, and that is provided the the specialist knowledge. Uh, we we talked about shared services. Uh, in this case, we focus on on resilience, on uh, risk management, uh, but providing the expertise in it, not doing it centrally, but providing the expertise, the, the know-how, the, the support, uh, such that, uh, that, that the people on the ground can actually uh, have the... the, the uh, they don't need to necessarily in, employ their own risk uh, specialists. They don't need to employ their... their, their local uh, chief uh, risk officers, chief uh, resilience operations officers, but they have the support. They have someone who they can ask, they, uh, who can provide them uh, the guidance on how they can implement the ideas that they have developed. 
Absolutely. It's, uh, as I mentioned, in, in, in computational uh, federated governance, in, in data mesh, uh, there is a whole idea of the platform, which serves as a, so to speak, fabric connecting different uh, I, I'm reluctant to say fabric because the data fabric is a bit different concept not just sorry for for, 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 for this but no, it's not exclusive um, to to data mesh it can be uh, data fabric can be an excellent uh, technical solution uh, enabling data mesh there is a, a, a a distinction which is which is a bit artificial uh, but I, I, th I think you're going too deep into too data deep, yes, absolutely. Let's, yeah. let's, let's keep it keep, anyway. keep it broad in the business level so uh, the you know that the, i think the key principle to to mention here and something that we stress very strongly in in our article that uh, the, the specialists that are provided uh, centrally should act only as advisors. They, sh they should act as supporters. They shouldn't take over the implementation. Otherwise, they, they will violate the first, uh, sorry, the, the second principle uh, of, the, uh, of, of the governance, which is that uh, centrally provided uh, services should only focus on general policies and, and value statements. They, they shouldn't cross that boundary. Uh, however, however, uh, when we are talking about this, that's why I wanted to go a bit into this, uh, this data fabric and business fabric and compare a bit, a, a business fabric to data fabric. Maybe it's not a perfect, perfect analogy, but the idea is that there are some initiatives which require, uh, these are good for everyone and they are sometimes, uh, operational as well. Uh, so if it can't be done on, on the local level, but can be done on, on the global, if it, if it concerns multiple, it's uh, tra traverse, transverse, transverse, if it's, uh, transverse, uh, towards the, the, you know, the whole company, uh, it is, uh, the, there are, the expertise should be, of course, uh, limited to very often to, um, so to speak, internal consultancy or, 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 or advice or, or mentoring or, or, or guiding. But there are some operations which cannot be uh, done like IT, that's why I'm coming to data because it's it's a, it's a it's a most obvious case. You, you don't want your data to be in silos. You also don't want your some business expertise and business operations to be completely siloed. So uh, what I'm saying is, uh, this rule is about expertise, not a call to completely silo all the business operations. So it's it's just that you, you need you, some. You're you're jumping a bit to to principle number five. So let's let's All go right. to to principle number four first, which is that basic unit of operational resilience planning should be defined at the business process level. And uh, what what is meant by that is is that uh, the business, as as with data and data products, the business domain is best uh, place to know what data they can offer and what it actually means. Here, by analogy, the, the uh, business process is uh, is the best place to define the resilience requirements, the operational uh, parameters, 
uh, therefore going any higher would necessarily introduce uh, you know some consensus uh, some kind of watering down or or, or biases you know, uh, biases which which can be easily eliminated if uh, a if you focus on the business process and uh, if if you if you look at the the principles of uh, risk management uh, uh, that are you know by any organization that professionally uh, deals with with business management training they always con- they always focus on a business process and how uh, business process uh, analysis uh, is is the basic requirement for analyzing the, the the risk parameters, so I think this this is actually in agreement with most of the risk practitioners, uh, and shouldn't be a, a surprise to anyone. Uh, we touch upon, uh, I would say, the whole enterprise architecture thing, which will be covered in one of the upcoming episodes. Uh, there are, let's say. Uh, Couple of ideas now, now, now taking um, traction, making traction in a, in the business environment on orientating and organizing businesses around about uh, around business domains and making them semi autonomous and giving them a lot of uh, responsibility and uh, and accountability, uh, but with coming uh, ability to take. Mm, governance into their own hands. So business process and in my humble opinion, uh, following business domain, which is mm, focused on, on, on given business process is a good place to, to build resilience as well. It's, uh, resilience, I think uh, it's, which maybe we should, maybe we should now, you know, take a minute or two and explain why we focus so much on the resilience because somebody could say but you know shouldn't we focus more on 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 on, on the profitability or, or any other descriptor of the processes why why do we focus on resilience so much arthur uh, resilience is 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 a concept that goes uh, for me beyond risk management and that is uh, you know uh, class, classical risk risk management focuses on uh, uh, risk uh, elimination, on risk mitigation, uh, whereas resilience is a, a process that uh, focuses on what happens after the stressor actually is applied uh, to the process. But and that's a, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a stressor. That's that's uh, that's the point of view of the of the you know resilience versus risk management but uh, why shouldn't we focus on i don't know cost centers and and say let's say shouldn't we bunch things by i don't know the person who is spending the most or the person who is bringing uh, in the most why why the resilience and ability to build up resilience should be high on our agenda why shouldn't resilience be uh, added to because the, the business process is a good unit, so to speak, to build resilience. But why why do we care? But it's a good unit to build. Yeah, resilience. and it, it's 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 a good point to build resilience uh, also because it's cross departmental. Uh, so the, a, a single business process can can cross multiple business domains. That's why it you know focusing there makes it uh, 
uh, actually, it doesn't make it everyone's concern. So, so it doesn't wash out the responsibility, but it makes the makes it the concern of the of the right people. And why why focus on uh, on on resilience? Well, uh, fir- firstly, because we we've seen uh, in our practice that companies that uh, have resilience built into their 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 soul, their fabric, rather than added on, actually fare better. Uh, it's very good. It's very easy to kind of uh, manage a business in uh, um, uh, in, in good times. It's it's it, the, the challenge the, where the real value comes out in in bad times. Uh, you know, you're you're raising your hand. Uh, you know, a, a, a millisecond after I started speaking, so obviously you want to t- tackle the subject. Please go on. Yes, I just wanted to say that the sentence that you said that the companies which have resilience built into their fabric is a classic uh, tend to fare better is a classical value statement just just an example of what we spoke uh, two rules ago uh, this is something which uh, if uh, somebody was thinking like can value statements be used in the real life isn't it just a you know buzzword and 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 and, 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 and blabbering as you can see uh, in our consulting we we have these value statements so ingrained that that we use them in the actual conversation. So sorry, that's why I was raising my hand, not 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 interrupting you. Yeah, because because I, I did it. I did it consciously because this is this is a value statement that that you need to really start with when you when when you talk about uh, operational resilience. And uh, you know there there is a big difference between uh, having operational resilience uh, at the forefront of your mind where you're designing your governance. Uh, versus uh, designing your governance and then thinking, okay, and now let's make it resilient uh, as as an afterthought. So uh, this is this is why we talk when when we when when we talk about uh, business architecture, uh, enterprise architecture, where we talk about governance, we're very often almost using resilience as a uh, as a synonym uh, because uh, one cannot exist in 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 my mind without without the other. Uh, and, uh, you know, having, having this, uh, coming back to the business process, uh, have, having the business process as a, as, as a unit, uh, which is, uh, you know, it, it's very different from, from looking at the business domain, because as I said, business process can span multiple business domains, uh, preparing your operational resilience, uh, on, on the process level, uh, this has been recognized in financial services as, uh, you know, all the, all the regulatory regimes, which focus on resilience, they recognize the business process as the basic unit. Uh, you know, it, it, it brings the, 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 the right focus that, uh, along the business process, you have multiple stakeholders taking over the actions, uh, making the decisions. And they have to work in concert to uh, ensure that there is uh, proper governance and proper resilience of the whole uh, the whole flow. Uh, and uh, you, you you mentioned uh, before about siloing, and this this brings us very nicely to the fifth uh, rule that resilience information should be shared and reused and shouldn't be siloed, uh, which. Uh, you know, it comes almost naturally from from rule four. Uh, you cannot, uh, if 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 a process flow goes spans, you know, crosses crosses between business domains, you cannot put an informational barrier between them. Uh, 
Uh, and the same, the same way, if you have a forum, uh, a, not even a central forum, just a, a, a forum where uh, several business domains meet, they need to share their governance information, their operational resilience information, uh, their risk management information, such that they don't start uh, almost working against each other in uh, or, or in completely disparate directions in trying to achieve uh, goals, which uh, if, if they talk to each other, they, the goals could be synchronized and the effort to reach them could be synchronized. It's, it's basically uh, preventing anarchy, uh, but not going into totalitarianism in your, in your business uh, governance, which is exactly the, the, the function of federation, which we are trying to achieve here. Uh, I absolutely agree. And also you, you, you touched on another topic, which is pretty, pretty interesting, uh, which is for fora, different fora, uh, having a central, because this is something that I, that I, that I had to explain a couple of times, having, let's say the central unit, uh, accountable and responsible for providing central policies and, uh, value statements does not uh, prohibit having central fora and uh, let's say um, discussion places for for business units. Such a central unit needs to work in close cooperation with um, with multiple. They, they never should work in this connection. It's not like they give, create these policies out of thin air. This is a grave error and it, uh, it can completely disrupt the, the operations and completely destroy the operations. Yeah, the, the, central... cl the classic example is a, a new uh, CRO coming from, from uh, somewhere else and saying, okay, now we're going to do things my way, forget what you've been doing, and suddenly everyone is lost. <laughs> Yes, it's uh, so, so. So it is. It is critical that there are, I don't know, centers of, of of excellence or networks of excellence, as you as you as you, as you named them just a couple of minutes ago, uh, to have fora for for discussion of of business owners, of of different units, and uh, these fora should be listened to by any sane central governance unit. They should collect the feedback. They, it, it might be, especially in a, in a big multinationals, it might be impossible to listen to, to each and everyone's complaints separately. Uh, but having this uh, for our some things can be clarified or, or, or some suggestions for modifications could be made, uh, should be available for, for this local governance uh, units to, 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 to meet, talk, discuss, learn, express, uh, it is critical. It is critical that there are, um, spaces for communication for, for local business, uh, unit owners or, or, or people accountable for governance in them. Uh, if they are to stick to this central, uh, centrally, um, designed policies and, 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 and to govern us, let's say, frameworks, uh, there must be a place where they can discuss it, when they can, you know, share what works and work, what doesn't, because maybe it's the implementation 
problem, not the policy problem. Uh, and, the, and you know, you know what's fascinating that uh, this this all this flows nicely to principle six. It's it's almost like this this whole frameworks makes sense, and we you know one thing comes from another because. Uh, principle six says that leverage ex uh, you should leverage existing components of resilience instead of replacing them with general practices. My goodness, it's exactly what you've been talking about. If people do something and it works for them uh, and, and it provides uh, an, an effect which, you know, gives them that the support, the resilience, it doesn't actually damage someone else. You shouldn't be replacing just just for sake of conformity and uh, and your own ego. Uh, I, I think this rule was written by us to to um, make sure that if there is an example central governance providing resilience, as I said, we, we often use resilience and governance in, in exchange. Uh, but if you have a central governance, it's not a good idea to throw it all away. Uh, and now make a revolution. Revolution is not the most, I think, efficient way of introducing changes and uh, ensuring continuity. Uh, so try to recognize what are really well-working elements or, or, or decisions uh, made on this, let's say, governance chain. Find this cutting point, the threshold, which will be passed below which the elements will be passed to the local levels, decide what you want to keep on the central level, but try to introduce at one, at one go the, as little disruption as possible in one step. So, so, so it's probably worth at this, at this point mentioning something, uh, another initiative that we run. So one, one of the training courses that we've, uh, that we've designed and, and that we're, we're providing to, to various uh, companies is, is called grassroots, grassroots risk management. The whole concept being that, uh, you know, if, if you are a manager of, of, of your department, of your team, and, uh, you, you want to introduce better risk management practices, uh, but you don't have the, the, the full support uh, and you, you don't have the power to introduce them at, at, at the global level or your whole enterprise level, level. you can do that. You can refine your risk management practices within your team or your department. Uh, and this is exactly, you know, if you, if you grow this within your team, you, you, you nurture this, you have this, this, this operation at your level, uh, you know, designed and, and operating pretty nicely. The last thing you want is someone from global to say, no, we're now replacing it with something completely different. Uh, forget what you've been doing. It, it, it would be, it will be soul destroying. It would be operation destroying. So this is exactly, this principle is designed to prevent this kind of thing and actually Absolutely. encourage, encourage local, uh, local in the sense of, of smaller business domain managers to come out with their own initiatives, which uh, improve the operation at their level, uh, and without the fear that it will be thwarted by, uh, uh, some, you know, big boss coming in and saying, you nice work, but forget it. Uh, and also this, this fora that I mentioned previously is a good, good, good space to share what work and what, what works and what does cross pollination. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, so if somebody was able to, 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 to create a, let's say good and working for him, uh, 
framework. It doesn't have to be risk management. It may be, I don't know, cost saving, uh, vendor selection or whatever yeah, it any is. any kind of innovation. Uh, whatever it is that is in, in the remit of the, of the local, uh, local business units, uh, they should space and uh, freedom to, to, to share and uh, help others. This is, again, such responsibility for, for, for such a forum. They hopefully should be, let's say, self-forming. In the, in, in the world of, of uh, software development, it is very popular that there are different communities of, of excellence. Self-organizing teams, yeah. And so not only teams, but like self-organizing, I don't know, uh, self-help uh self-help uh, let's say groups uh therapeutic almost therapeutic uh other business functions should also have it but again it might be another value statement um, provided by the central governance uh, that companies which uh encourage actively encourage and leave space for 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 the local teams or leaders uh, to, 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 to learn, discuss, uh, fare better, uh, or, or better use their very people's potential, because it, it might be the case that, that one of the teams happened to, 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 to get someone, some, some really good expert in some subfield of, of their domain, but his expertise could be, and, and lessons learned and best practices could be transferred to, to other units and ensuring that it may happen uh, is, is critical. It is different. I'm, I'm speaking so much about this fora because I know that most of the people asked what they like most about working from home is, okay, we have much fewer meetings and they take much, much, much less time and we can actually focus on work. Uh, so I want to make sure that I'm not encouraging pointless meetings. It's, it's not about having, oh, Jesus, yet another meeting, I have to participate. Uh, it's about creating a space where people who have something to say and have lessons to learn can do it. Uh, so, so some of the rules were like when in some of the community meetings uh, in, uh, in the software development that I, that I participated, they were uh, prohibiting managers to participate. Like th these are not managerial. These are, let's say, oriented towards this, yeah. this, 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 that te uh, technology. And so we don't want to make it any, any more organized or, 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 or following somebody else's agenda. We just want to, to meet and talk. So if you are a high manager, make sure that some of your people who actually do work and they, they not only manage work of others, but they, they, they actually do work. They have an opportunity to, to speak to other people who do work. Try to encourage uh, creating the spaces. We should, we should in one of future episodes actually discuss the, the, the principles of effective meetings uh, because, and, and general kind of effective work practices. Because this is, this is some, you know, psychologically also, this is a very interesting topic, but, uh, I think at this point we should, we should go to the, to the final seventh uh, principle, which we've defined, which is, uh, to encourage broader thinking going not only beyond departmental boundaries, but also beyond organization. 
we've uh, purposefully put a bit of uh, you know uh, ESG, you know, social uh, environmental responsibility in it. And in this case, ESG actually does have a, a, a meaning, I think, because you're not encouraging uh, some uh, you know meaningless uh, policy making that will uh, will look good, but you require a sen- uh, you're you're encouraging a set sen- um, essential value statement definition that will guide uh, the, 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 the further kind of uh, decision-making. Uh, you know, think about your, your, your uh, immediate environment, your immediate team dep- department, but also think across departmentally within your organization, but also go beyond your organization to your community and to your, your government. Uh, your environment, think how it impacts the bigger picture in formulating your, your, your specific policies, uh, and, 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 and procedures. Uh, and you know, this, this needs to be done both mostly centrally in creating those value statements, but it's, it's beneficial to, to do it also locally have this, this big practice, bigger thinking, even on a, on a, on a local level. No, absolutely. It's uh, uh, an element of uh, resilience building in a in a wider sense. Uh, it's it might seem, let's say, why should I invest into it? For everyone, uh, it's it's something that that, that may help um, your organization by helping others, by setting up a good example. Uh, and I, it, it, it wraps nicely to, to principle number one, because that tone is dri- in, in our model organization, the tone is driven from the top. Top management encourages this kind of thinking. There is, uh, the, it's firmly stated that this kind of thinking will not be, uh, you know, uh, repressed. It will be, it will be actually, uh, rewarded rather than, uh, than, than, than punished, then it encourages this, this, this broader thinking, information sharing, resilience building, uh, on a local level. And, you know, ultimately, uh, in, in any function, uh, the person, uh, the person who knows best what is required is the person who actually does the work. So, and, you know, not, not to be too kind of political, but maybe this is why, why communism is not really a, a big, uh, you know, success is because trying to centrally de- de- decide what kind of uh, hammer your worker needs or, or, or how they should be, uh, how they should be holding the drill, as, you know, trust your experts. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that, that's what, what, what it drills down to, I think, speaking about holding a drill. Uh, there are goals and uh, centrally, um, there's a requirement for some things to be decided centrally. And these shall be decided centrally. And there are things which should be decided at the, at the level where the actual work happens. And these should be left to, to the people who actually do the job. And this is like very common which, sense. Which is, wh- which is why it's, it's worth stressing again that fed- federation does not mean anarchy, doesn't mean revolution. It means a healthy balance between central uh, governance and local expertise. 
and I think that's 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 the key key takeaway. The the rules that we provided you are meant to to help you guide you, you to to introduce it. Uh, it's not set in stone. But it should help you, but it's uh, for you and uh, and the people in your organization to 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 make it really work. As stated at the beginning, the the whole article will be linked in the in the notes uh, to the episode. Uh, I think this is all uh, we have time for. Uh, let's hope it was of use to someone. Thank you for listening. We mentioned in this episode the One Thing podcast. Check out their website for a surprisingly simple approach to achieving more. Also, we recommend Josh Bersin's website, where you'll be able to read some interesting articles or listen to a podcast about the HR perspective on governance and leadership. As usual, all links to the references will be available in the notes to this episode. Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be talking to Dr. Tushar Hazra, business and technology executive, entrepreneur and consultant, principal at Epitomy One, about his experiences in consulting company CEOs on enterprise architectures. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit bdr.show to find out more about the future episodes and guests. You can also check out cognition.llc for more information on Cognition Shared Solutions, our services and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak and my co-host, Artur Guja. Thank you.